So yeah, that's how we roll. That's that's right. <laughs> Merry Christmas that way. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for being here. It is great to have you guys. Well, and when you think of Christmas, when you think of the, the word Christmas, when you think of the season of Christmas, you might get a lot of different things. Maybe you think of Feliz Navidad, although probably not in that way would be my guess. But you might think of Feliz Navidad. You might think of a whole bunch of different things. Um, maybe you think of, uh, I know I sometimes think of this, think of your favorite movies. You might think of like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We watched that with our kids, right? And that's one of those things where you just have to do that. Maybe you think of A Christmas Story, right? And the famous scenes that are all in those. Those are just fantastic, right? Or maybe you think of A Charlie Brown Christmas, right? You always, always have to do that one. And some of you, you have a new favorite Christmas movie, and this is the one. You don't want to admit it, but it is. This is yours. How many of you, this is one of your new favorite traditions at Christmas? Yeah, yeah, you watch Elf. I knew it. I knew it. See, and I know who the crazy ones are in here. Uh, So you might think of a lot of different things, but for you, it might not be movies. It might be something completely different. It might be, uh, maybe it's Christmas trees. Maybe you think of presents. Maybe you think of food. Maybe you think of candy, of parties. Maybe you think of shopping. Maybe you dread shopping uh, because it's Christmas. Uh, Maybe you think of all the different things. Maybe you think of the, the decorations and the lights and the stockings and the candy canes. Maybe you think of more cookies and more stockings and more shopping and all this stuff. Maybe you think of snow, although not this year, apparently. Um, We don't get that. But wherever you are on Christmas, and it could be one or the other, some of you absolutely love Christmas, and some of you, if you were to admit it, you just don't like Christmas at all. It's lonely. And so we are all across the spectrum on Christmas today, aren't we? I mean, we can honestly say that. There's a lot of us in here, and we're all across the board in different places on Christmas. We think of different things. We focus on different things. We all probably have different traditions at Christmas. Well, today, I want to boil it down, and we're all going to sit on the same thing today of Christmas. No matter where you're at, no matter what you think of for Christmas, we're going to boil it down today. And and we're going to really talk about what Christmas is all about completely, and that is Jesus. So no matter where you are on that spectrum, no matter what your favorite Christmas movie is, no matter how you feel about the Christmas season, we're putting all of that aside because really the reason of Christmas has nothing to do with any of that stuff anyway. It's a fun part of it. We do that in our family, a lot of those things, most of those things. But it's really, when it comes down to it, not about that. It's about Jesus, and we're going to talk about that today. But before we get too deep into that, I wanted to just haven't had the opportunity to say this, but I just want to welcome you, say thank you for coming today. If it is your first time, I know several of you, it's your first time here with us this morning, and I appreciate that, you guys coming and checking us out. But I want you to know a couple of things. One, I wanted to say we want you to know and say thank you for coming to, to take a risk because it really is a risk. It's, it's one of those things where you have to sacrifice your time and your effort to be here, but it's also an unknown. You don't know, you know what you're going to get when you show up, and that's okay. And so we just want to say thank you for taking the risk to join us today. That's a big deal. And we want you to know one more thing. We want you to know that this is a safe place for you. This is a safe place for you to really go deeper in your relationship with Jesus Or if you're not sure where you're at with God, if you're not sure where you're at with Jesus, this is a safe place for you to ask questions about Jesus, about God, about, you know, whatever the case is. And if you're just not sure where you're at, this is a safe place for you to do it. You can ask questions about us, about our church, about our faith, or about God, about Jesus, those different things. You can ask questions like that. 
And so this is a safe place for you. But right, what we're in right now, we're at the very end, the very last Sunday in our Christmas series called Christmas Search, in which we have been looking at words found in the Christmas story. And today's word that we're going to focus everything on is the word with. Now, I know, like drum roll and totally underwhelming, right? Like we just talked about prophecy and questions and worship. And now on Christmas Sunday, like the big dog, we're talking about the word with. Are you kidding? You couldn't do better than that? Like I showed up today, you know. But today we're going to talk about the word with. And there's a very specific reason because this is perhaps the most powerful word in the Christmas story, maybe next to the name of Jesus. And I'll explain why in a minute. But before we get really far into this, let's just pause and look at the Christmas story. Because honestly, you know, when you get into it, we, we've, we probably have the parts that we've heard in Christmas pageants and all kind of stuff. But I want to read the first seven verses of the Christmas story as it's written in the Bible, because this is kind of what we've heard, probably the most famous, most popular version uh, or part of the Christmas story as found in the Bible. So I want to read it, and then we'll kind of talk about what we're going to uh, look at after that. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. It's just giving us historical background is all it's doing. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, they can't, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So this is the Christmas story and you hear that and I don't know, some of you, you might hear that part of the Christmas story and you go, okay, now Christmas has arrived because I heard about Jesus and the manger and Mary and Joseph and, you know, we kind of have that nostalgia thing and, okay, we've heard about, we've actually heard the Christmas story read for, for a couple of minutes this morning. And we kind of get that. But Jesus arrives on the scene. And what the Bible tells us is right after this, then some, some angels show up in the night sky to the shepherds. Probably scared them, I'm sure. Because, I mean, the, you know, the shepherds are sitting there in the middle of the darkness. And all they hear is, you know. The sheep are just doing what they do, you know, sleeping or eating or eating, you know. And, and, and they're just, and all of a sudden, just, boom, the angels come up and they show up and they, they tell the shepherds, hey, there's this guy named Jesus. He's born. You need to go see him. You need to go worship him. And so they do. They leave the fields and they go and they worship Jesus. And then they go start telling people about it. And then a few months later, maybe even a year or more later, some wise men come, right, bearing gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the magi. And they show up and they worship Jesus. And then they go back. And so we have all this stuff that kind of culminates. Jesus is born, arrives on the scene on planet Earth. But the question that I have for us this morning that we're going to talk about, they're going to really just, just look at. The question I have is, why is it a big deal that God arrives as a baby? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever wondered, why did God come to earth as a baby. What's the big deal? I mean, it's a cool story. 
And, and we wouldn't think of it any other way. I don't know about you, but you grow up like seeing Christmas pageants and there's always Mary and Joseph and the baby and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men and, you know, all the stuff. That's like what you do. That's what a Christmas pageant is. And so we've just always known that. But have you ever wondered, why did God arrive to earth as a baby? Why did he do that? Maybe you've asked that question. Maybe you haven't, but we're going to answer it today anyway. But that is what we're going to look at. And guess what? The answer to that question, why did God arrive as a baby? The answer to that question is centers around the word with. Had to figure that was probably the case, since that's our word for today. The answer to the question of why did God do it this way? The answer is with. It might seem strange for a minute, but we'll try to explain this. Okay. Now, there are two reasons why the word with is our answer. And I'm going to talk about those two reasons today. That's where we're going to spend all of our time. I'm going to give you the first one right away. The first reason that God came to earth as a baby, the first reason that the answer to that question is the word with is that God is with us. I know, once again, underwhelming, isn't it? It's like, oh, wow, I'm glad I got up for that one. God is with us. So I'm going to explain what this means. Um, Before Mary and Joseph ever found out that they were going to give birth to and raise the Son of God, raise Jesus, okay, um, they they had to find out. God had to let them know. He he had to let them in on the plan, right? Because otherwise, all of a sudden, Mary's like, whoa, whoa, I'm having a baby? Like, what happened? And God had to kind of let them in on this. And so God sends the angel Gabriel to Mary to deliver the news and say, hey, guess what, Mary? Uh, I've called you to do kind of a big thing. This is kind of a big ask for you in your life. Um, You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. It's kind of a big deal, I know. But uh, that's what I want you to do. And so he sends the angel Gabriel to deliver the message. And the angel Gabriel says something really important to Mary, but it's very important for you and I. So it's kind of like we get to be the fly on the wall listening to the conversation of Gabriel. And so Gabriel says this. Listen to what Gabriel says to Mary after it tells us what's all happening. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And this is when Gabriel then starts talking to Mary. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings. Favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, look at those last four words. The angel Gabriel says, the Lord is with you. The angel Gabriel did not say, the Lord loves you. Did you notice that? I'm not saying that God doesn't love Mary, that the Lord doesn't love Mary. God does. But the angel Gabriel didn't say the Lord loves you. The angel Gabriel did not say the Lord knows everything about you, Mary. He he knows every hair on your head. Although the Bible promises that God does know that. He knows every hair on your head. He actually can count it. He's like, he's probably named them. This is Harry. This is Jerry. I'm just Now I'm just getting weird. But it, it says in the Bible that God knows every hair on our head, but that's not what angel the angel said. That's not what Gabriel said. He didn't say God knows you. He didn't say God loves you. God also. What did, what did the angel Gabriel said? He said, the Lord is with you. There's a huge difference between with and he like knows everything about you. It's a huge difference, isn't there? Let's put it this way. I want you to imagine that you are in a boxing ring. 
okay? You are going into a boxing ring. You're about to like, you know, pull the ropes apart and climb in and you're about to go into the boxing ring and you're about to go into the boxing ring against the largest, most intimidating, ridiculous opponent you've ever heard of or seen. Okay? I mean, this, this opponent ha- has never lost. This opponent can literally, I mean, if you can imagine, this opponent can squash you if he sneezes. Okay? I mean, this opponent is unbeatable. There is no way. Not only can you not even like, compete with this person, but you can't even reach this person. All right? You're going into the boxing ring against this opponent that you just know there's no chance. There's no possible way that you can even go uh, can can tangle with this, and I want you. But there's a good thing about it. God is is there. He's in your corner. Okay, God. You know when you're in the boxing ring and the, there's the coach, right? And he's he's just outside the ropes and he's in your corner and he's he's on your side and he's cheering you on. And so God is cheering you on. He's like, you can do this. You can go. You can you can do anything. You can take this guy. Yeah, woo! And God is cheering for you from the corner. Right? He's probably shaking the ropes too. Right? Because that's what God would do, I'm sure. He'd just shake the ropes. God is in the corner. But that's not what the angel said. It didn't say God is in your corner. Gabriel said he's a lot more than that. He's much better than that. He's not in your corner, he's in the ring with you. Let me ask you if you're going up against an opponent that you know will squash you with one sneeze. If you know are going up against an opponent that you know you cannot win against, it is absolutely impossible. Do you want God to be in your corner going, I've taught you everything you can know. Go do it. Go get them. Or do you want God with you saying, I got this. You just swing and I'll knock him over. (laughs) You just, and then God says, (laughs) pushes him over. There you go. You're good. It is a huge difference between God being in your corner and God being with you. Huge difference. And this is what the angel Gabriel is saying to Mary and saying to us, that God desires nothing more than to be with us. It's the greatest thing that God wants is to be with us. We are all called, and by the way, those of you that kind of dismiss the boxing thing because you aren't a boxer, me neither. But let's be honest, we're all in a boxing ring, aren't we? Because we all get to do something called life. <laughs> you may not choose to be a boxer, but you're still life. <laughs> you're still here, which means we are in a boxing ring. Let me put it this way. How many of you have ever had a bad day? Yeah. Got a couple of ladies here. They've had a bad day. <laughs> Hopefully it's not today, but I, you know. How many of you have ever gone up against something that you just really, you weren't sure if you could handle it? Maybe it was conflict in your family. Maybe, maybe it was a project at work. Maybe it was, maybe it was uh, a broken relationship that you knew you couldn't fix. Maybe, I don't know, whatever it was, whatever it is, have you ever gone up against something in life where it was stressful, where it was keeping you up? Have you ever had something that just keeps you up at night because you were so stressed about it, worried about it? Anybody ever have that? Yeah, yeah. We're all in a boxing ring. It's called life. And what God is saying to Mary and God is saying to all of us is, I want to be with you more than anything else. 
more than anything in life, I, the greatest desire of God's heart is to be with us. Not just in your corner, not just on your side. You know, the Bible says, if, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's awesome. But it's more than that. Because he loves us, because he's for us, because he's on our side, he wants to be with us. If I say I know a person, that's cool. But if I show up with that person, it's pretty obvious I know them and they know me, isn't it? With is different than knowing, isn't it? And so we have this dynamic, this, this huge thing, this huge part of God that says, I desire to be with you. In fact, God also hints this in the other part when he goes to Joseph to let him on the plan. It's probably good to let Joseph know of the plan as well. <laughs> Don't you think? He's kind of engaged to Mary. It's going to be good that he knows what's going on, what's going to happen. And so God sends an angel to Joseph, and the angel talks about the prophet who wrote in the Old Testament about who Jesus would be called. Did you know that God's Jesus' name is Jesus? Yeah, that's great, but it's more than that. He has other names, and the angel tells us of a very important name of Jesus. And he says this, Matthew 1, 23, this is what it says. The virgin will conceive a child, talking about Mary. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him what? They will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God is with us. Again, doesn't say God's in your corner. Again, doesn't say God loves you doesn't say God is powerful. God sees everything you do. All of this stuff is true, but this is not what Jesus was coming to make sure that we know. He wants to understand God is with you. It's a big deal. In fact, isn't it interesting? Have you ever thought about this? And I already asked this question, but have you ever thought, why did Jesus come as a baby? Why did God come to earth as a baby? Why did he choose that way? I know we all kind of like, we think this is the way it has to be because it was written in the Bible and that's the Christmas story. It's always been that way. But have you ever wondered why? Why did God come that way? God could have come any way he wanted. He, he could have he just blown up the sky to, so that the entire planet could see him all at one shot and it just burst onto the scene and we're like, whoa, that's God. <laughs> no doubt about it. You know, you know how people enter on the stage like through the curtains? God could have done that with like the moon, you know? I've arrived. And we just are like, whoa, that's awesome. Why did Jesus choose not to do that? Like with lightning and with huge thunder and like all this awesome stuff where we go, wow, God, that was awesome, God. Wow. Why didn't he do that? Why did he come as a baby? Why, did he, why was he born into basically obscurity? I mean, honestly, he was. Think about it. Jesus is born, and you know who finds out about it? A few shepherds. And they were the lowest of the low in their society at that time. So it wasn't like the elite. And then, and then a few wise men that had to travel from somewhere else to go worship him. That's literally everybody who finds out, and then they tell a few other people. But nobody even knew that Jesus was born. And, and what did Mary do? What, we just read it in, early on in the Christmas story. Mary took Jesus, and, and we love this part. This is funny, but we love this part. Mary took Jesus and wrapped him snugly in cloths and placed him, oh, placed him in a manger. And we take comfort in that. What is a manger? It's a feeding trough. <laughs> That's what it is. It's like, get out of the way, donkey. 
I need to put my baby in her. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. We're like, oh, he, and placed, oh, and wrapped him and placed him in a manger. How many of you would do that? And be like, I, I wrapped my baby and I put him in the dog dish. Oh. <laughs> that's what a manger is. It's the feeding trough. So, so the question becomes, why would Jesus come to earth as a baby and then just into obscurity and, and born into the most humble surroundings possible? Even though he is the most powerful thing in the universe. And he comes as a human baby. And nobody even basically knows it. Why would he do that? Is it possible that God arrives to earth as a little, tiny, helpless human baby? Because if he would have arrived as a king, the king of kings, by the way, with incredible power, splitting the moon apart and just going, boom, here I am. Is it possible that God knew we as people would say, whoa, unapproachable. I'm not, any, I'm not getting anywhere near God because he's obviously doesn't have time for me. He can split the moon. So I'm, I'm, I'm here, God, and you're there. I'm, I, I can't, I'm not even going to talk to you. You're unapproachable. Think about it. If Jesus came as the king, think about kings during this time. If you showed up in a king's court uninvited, you know what they could do? They could instantly have you executed just like that, just because you showed up and they didn't ask you to. I mean, that's literally how much power they had. Talk about unapproachable. If, even if you wanted to just look at the king, you weren't supposed to. I mean, you, you know, your head had to be buried in the ground. You can't, they are, talk about unapproachable. They could not be approached. And, and let's put it in modern day terms, okay? Think about the most powerful, most elite people in our planet, okay? Let, let's say, for example, this this will bring it help. This will help show this. Okay, let's say that tomorrow I have this brilliant couple of brilliant ideas about our nation. I know miracles can happen, <laughs> but let's just just for theory say that something amazing came to me, and 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 I and I and I want to share it with you know with our nation's leader. And so I call up the White House tomorrow, and I say, "Hey, uh, I, hey, this is Brent. Uh, I live in Wanakee. Um, uh, I just, I just, I had these amazing ideas, and I just need to schedule a coffee with President Obama because I just, I just need to share them with him because I, I really think it could change our country like forever. And and uh, so, could you? I have from ten to two tomorrow open. Could you just put me in for some coffee with President Obama? It'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. Is that gonna work? I'm going to be laughed right off the phone. In fact, I probably have people banging on my door to make sure I'm locked up because they think I'm crazy. Okay? I mean, this is honestly true, isn't it? Because he's unapproachable. He's in another stratosphere than we are. We cannot just walk up and talk to him. It's not possible. Is it possible that God arrives as a human, helpless baby born into obscurity because he doesn't want us to think that he's unapproachable? Is it possible that God wanted us to realize and to fully understand and know, I want to be with you and I want you to be with me. And the only way, the best way that I can communicate that is to be one of you. Is to become one of you. Isn't that kind of really amazing? Does that bring a little bit different light to the Christmas story? He didn't want to come as a king because he wants to be approached. He wants to be with us and he wants us to be with him. That's the ultimate desire of his heart. 
of his character. In fact, did you know this? That Jesus, we don't think about this often, but Jesus was born just like we are. Yes, it happened, the whole start to the thing was miraculous, but he was born just like we are. He, he was a toddler just like we are. Guess what? Jesus had to learn how to walk just like we did. Probably bumped his head on the manger a few times. All right? Just, oh, oh, here, Jesus, here you go. You know, here you go. Stand up. Okay, come to Joseph. Come to Daddy. Right? I mean, he had to walk just like anybody. He grew up and he became a child. He had to learn how to do the chores. He had to learn to do all this stuff. He had to learn how to work a smartphone. He had to do all these things. Just kidding. He didn't have to do that. They didn't have those back then. But, you know, he had to do all the things that we had to do. And he eventually get this. You don't think about this. This is weird. This was a weird thought for me this week. You guys know I have a lot of those. Um, Jesus was a teenager. We don't think of Jesus as being a teenager. Jesus was a teenager. He had to be. He grew up through the teenage years. He grew up from a baby all the way into his 20s and 30s. Jesus went all the way through all the stuff that we do. In the midst of that, Jesus, I mean, think about it. Jesus was, he, he felt and experienced joy, incredible joy. He experienced despair and sadness too, though. He experienced incredible excitement, just, just incredible excitement. But he also uh, experienced disappointment too, didn't he? Jesus experienced anger when he walked into the temple and he saw people manipulating other people, trying to steal their money from them is what they were doing. And God, Jesus got righteously angry at them. He, saw, he felt incredible anger toward that. He said, there's injustice happening here. You're taking advantage of these people and it's not right. He got angry. He felt anger. He felt disappointment. He felt sadness. He felt grief. He lost people that he loved who had passed away, who died. He felt incredible grief. And guess what? Jesus, as we know, he felt also incredible betrayal, didn't he? The ones, the people that were absolutely the closest to Jesus betrayed him in the end. Jesus experienced everything we experience. Different ways, yes, but he experienced everything we experience, everything. In fact, the betrayal side, I, don't, I haven't had my 12 closest friends betray me, so his is kind of like a, another degree beyond me. But Jesus went through all of that. Why did he go through all of that? Because God wants us to know, I want to be with all of you, and I want you to be with me, and he gives us that choice. So why is this important? Because God wants us to know that he's not just in your corner, He's not just on your side. He's certainly not against you. But he wants everything, everything in God wants to be with you. But because he loves you, he gives you the choice. And so this brings us to the second reason why Jesus came as a baby. Why did God come as a baby? One, to show us that he is with us, that he wants to be with us. But the second reason is because there, there was something there that had to be taken care of. And the second reason God came as a baby is because Jesus is the bridge. Okay, what do I mean by that? What, let me explain this. If it is true what we've been talking about, which is God desires, the greatest thing in his heart is that he wants to be with you. Okay, I don't, I don't think we, I'm not sure if we fully gravi- get the gravity of that, but God, who doesn't need anything, desires the top priority of his life, uh, of him, is, is that he wants to be with us. 
That's his, that's his whole thing. And he wants us to choose to be with him. And if that is true, and, and he gives us the option, he gives us the choice as people to be with him. If we so choose, if we allow ourselves, if we surrender our life and give it to him, that he gives us the choice to be able to choose Jesus. We can choose to be with him. So if those two things are true, God wants to be with us and he gives us the option to be with him. If that's true, there's just one problem left. There's only one thing to be taken care of. And that is, and we all know this, and that is something called sin, isn't it? Sin keeps us. It's the only thing that can keep us from God against his will, against our will. Sin keeps us Apart from God, it creates a gap that cannot be crossed between us and God. Sin creates that. And by the way, when I say sin, I do not mean just bad things that we do. We think of sin as like, okay, I did that. That was sin. I should go to confession. (laughs) Okay? I lied. Uh Uh-oh, I lied. That's a sin. Okay, I need to go. Sin is way bigger than that. This might scare you a bit. Because some of you thought you were good by just, you know, oh, I did something and that was sin. Sin is not something that we only do. It can be out of what we do, but what we do, which is sin, comes out of something that's deeper that is sin, and that is, I want to do it my way, God. I am above you, God. Therefore, that's why I'm going to lie, because I think that I have a better way out of this. I'm going to gossip because it helps me to look better and to feel better. Therefore, I can climb the corporate ladder faster. And therefore, that's what I'm going to do. And so if I can lie, if I can cheat, if I can steal, if I can gossip, if I can do this, then I'm going to do that. What it really comes down to is the action follows what your heart is. And so the sin is actually your tendency, your leaning, our leaning, everybody's leaning to just kind of want to go sometimes against God, isn't it? We all have sin. The Bible says we all have sin. And so God says, this is not good. This is not right. We cannot have this because God desires to be with us and he wants us to choose to be with him. But the problem is we can't do that with sin because here's the deal. God is holy. God is perfect. God literally cannot, even if he wanted to, God cannot be in relationship with sin. He can't. He cannot be in relationship with sin. He can't do it. And so God has to figure out, he has to have this plan in motion to say, I need to take care of this problem so that I can be with you and they can be with me. This is the whole point of Jesus. This is the whole reason he came as a baby, so that he could relate to us and so that we know who he is. Because Jesus becomes the bridge. So this is how this works. If God can't be with us because of sin, and if we can't choose to be with him because of our sin, then God takes care of it by saying, okay, somebody has to pay the price for sin, therefore I'm going to pay the price. God says, I know that this is not how it should work, but God says, I will pay the price. I'm going to be the sacrifice that takes away the sin. I'm going to take away the sin myself. And then they have to just choose to agree to kind of take that in and allow that forgiveness to happen. But so this is how it works. So we have a chasm. We're on one side, God's on the other. God wants nothing more than to be with us and for us to cross that and be with him. But the problem is he needed Jesus to do that. So Jesus dies on the cross and it takes our sins away. 
And so what we have is when Jesus dies on the cross, the sins are taken away, but then we need to choose to cross the bridge. And so I think we have a, a shot of this, a picture of this, and you see that Jesus is in between. That we, and here's the deal, this gap, like a picture does not do it justice because what we think is we can get a crane or we can get it on a plane or we can cross this gap. Let me, let me just tell you, this is not a physical gap. It's not a gap that you even can cross. There's no way across this. Going to church enough doesn't do it. Being a good person doesn't even come close. In fact, it won't even show you where the gap is. I know I just hammered a hard one there. Being a good person, you're not even, you're not even, you're not even at the edge of the gap by being a good person. The only way, this is why God did this, this is why Christmas is such a big deal. The only way to get across that gap, sin is to cross through Jesus. It's the only way to get over that sin gap. It's the only way for God to be with us and for us to be with God. It's the only way to do it. The Bible, if there's one thing that the Bible is like just abundantly clear, you know how the Bible, you kind of go, well, I'm not sure what it means about that thing. This is one thing that's abundantly clear. The only way to be with God and for God to be with you is through Jesus. It's the only way. So this is the only thing that spans the gap. So if this is true, then the question very quickly becomes for you and I, how do we cross the bridge? How do we cross the bridge? How do we, how do we get across that? Contrary to popular belief, we look at the Bible and we say, man, it's got to be complicated. There's got to be like 12 thousand steps to get across the bridge to God. Actually, there's not. It's very simple. It's not easy. It's very simple. It's not easy because we don't like to do it. Because once you cross that bridge, you've given your life completely to God. That's why it's not easy. But let me tell you that the formula is simple. There's two things that you have to do. Very simple. First thing is, to cross the bridge, you must believe in God. You must believe that Jesus is real. You have to believe what I'm telling you today is true. That Jesus is real, that he's actually still alive, that he did grow up, that he actually went through those teenage years, and that he didn't sin in those teenage years. Whew, that's a miracle right there. It's awesome. And he didn't sin all the way in his young adult, and all the way up to adult. And then he dies on the cross And that when he dies on the cross, that sin, all the sin of the entire world was on Jesus. I can't even imagine what that felt like. But the entire sin of the entire world was on Jesus and he dies and that sin is taken away. You have to believe it. If you don't believe it, then there's no way you're going to cross a bridge that you don't believe is there. You have to believe that Jesus is real. You have to believe that Jesus not only died on the cross, but that he was put in the grave and that uh, just a little while later, Jesus rose from the grave, from the dead, and he's not dead any longer, but he's alive. Why is that important? Not only that Jesus takes away our sin, that he has conquered sin, but we have to believe that he conquered death. Why? Because otherwise God is a liar. Isn't it true? I mean, if God says, I can give you eternal life. When you die, you will not actually die. You'll get to spend eternity with me. If God says that, but Jesus is dead, how good does that work? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So, so you're not alive, but you will save us. Okay. doesn't make any sense. We have to believe that Jesus is real, that his death on the cross takes our sins away, and that 
If we cross that, then we can do that. But that's only the first part. Okay? So we just, it's simple. We do have to believe. But then the second thing is, just believing that the bridge is there does not get us across the bridge. The second part of this is you have to accept Jesus. You have to believe in him, but you have to accept him. You have to commit your entire life to him. In other words, you have to actually cross the bridge. Just believing that the bridge is there. Wow, look at that cool bridge. Wow, Jesus, you make, you're, you're good at that bridge stuff. That's awesome. I believe it. I believe you. <laughs> I'm going to stay over here, but I believe you. It does you no good to see the bridge or to believe in it. You have to cross the bridge. It's the only way to be with God. It's the only way for him to be with you. At the very end of Jesus' life, after he died on the cross, after he rose from the grave, defeated sin and death, he says this promise to his disciples. He's about to leave, and he says this, And be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Or in other words, I am with you forever. The problem with that statement is this. He says, I am with you always. That's the promise. But the promise does nobody any good unless you accept it. Right? If, if, if I promise Jackson that I will pick him up after school, I say, Jackson, I promise I will be there. I'll pick you up after school. And I get there, but Jackson doesn't show up after school. The promise doesn't do him any good. Does it? The promise is still true, but it doesn't do Jackson any good because he, didn't, he wasn't there for the ride. Just because the bridge exists, just because you can believe in the bridge doesn't mean you don't have to cross it. We have to accept Jesus and commit our life to living for him the rest of our life. Give our life to him. That's the whole point. God came to earth as a baby. Because he said, listen, I'm going to experience everything you experience, but I want to be one of you so that you know you can cross this bridge. I am approachable, but you have to choose to do it. You can't just believe it's there. So the question that's left, of course, for all of us is, do you want to believe in Jesus? Do you want to cross the bridge? It comes down to you and you only. It doesn't. Somebody else can't make decision. Your family, you can't get kind of, you know, tag along with your family into heaven or whatever. Um, going to church doesn't do it. Being a good person doesn't do it. None of those things. If you believe, you have to believe that the bridge is there. You have to believe that Jesus is real. And then you have to cross the bridge. You have to do that. You have to accept him. Believe in him and accept him. Commit your life to him. It has to be a decision that you make on your own. It's between you and God. And so... Here's the deal. There's nothing greater about Christmas than this. And this is, we're going to give you the opportunity. If, if uh, maybe some of you have been in here and you, you, you've just never given your life to Jesus. You've maybe believed in the bridge for a long time, but you've never crossed the bridge. You've been looking at the bridge. You've been going to church for a long time. You've seen the bridge. You've heard about the bridge. You've heard about Jesus. I've done the Christmas thing. I've done the Easter thing. I've done all these things. But you've you've always believed it, but you've never actually made a choice, a decision for yourself to cross the bridge. You've never done it. And so you know, you know in your heart, you really know, some of you in here, you know you're not with God because you've chosen not to be with him. You know the bridge is there, but you haven't crossed it. I want to give you an opportunity in a moment to do that. 
I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you to do something. And if you want to accept Jesus, if you want to believe and accept him, and you want to make that choice today, some of you know you're doing this. We had, we had a few in first service that did that. They had never done it before, and they, they chose to do that in first service. And so you have an opportunity here to do this as well. The only way to be with God is to cross the bridge, and that the only bridge is Jesus. You have to believe, and you have to commit everything to him. You have to give it, surrender it. So we're going to pray in a minute, and then I'm going to say these words, and you can pray these words, but I'm going to have you do something first. So as we close, what I want you to do is I want you just kind of to respect this time and close your eyes, bow your heads. Everybody, no, I don't want anybody looking around. So that this is very obvious and very clear. If you are here and you know you've never made a choice, you've never chosen to accept Jesus, you've just never done it, and you know you should have, you, you really have known kind of that you wanted to, or maybe, maybe this is the first time and you've never wanted to, but now you feel like you need to. You really feel like God is talking to you and he wants you to do this. If that is you, this is the first time you've never done this before. This is what I want you to do. Did this a few weeks ago, but I want you to just look at me. Just look at me in the eyes. If you want to do this, you've never done it. And this is the first time you want to do it. Look me in the eyes. Okay, I see you. See you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Praise God. For those of you that just raised your eyes and looked at me, I want you to. Just say these words. You don't have to do them out loud. This is between you and God. Why don't you say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for being with me. From now on, Jesus, I give you my life. I cross the bridge today, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Take it away, Jesus. And help me to live for you. And then just say, Jesus, I commit my life to you. From now on, I want to be known as a follower of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being the bridge. Thank you for saving me from my sin today. And everyone together on that, we all say together, amen. Hmm. Many of you chose to accept Christ today and I just that's amazing to me I want you to do one more thing just so that we can just have a quick conversation if you have a connect card or if you don't just make sure to get one I just want you to put your name down 
right on there. I crossed the bridge today. I accepted Jesus today. And, the, and you guys have heard me say this, many of you before, but the only thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to contact you. I'm going to call you or email you. And I just want to see if you have any questions. I know after I accepted Jesus, I had a few questions. And so you may or you may not, and that's fine, but I'll just be excited with you. And I want to contact you, and I just want to say, hey, that's awesome. You made that decision. That was fantastic. It was amazing. And so let's just talk. Do you have any questions? So just put your name on there. Say, I crossed the bridge. I accepted Jesus. Whatever you want to say, give me a phone number, email, whatever. And then I'll follow up with you this week. Thank you for those of you who made that choice today. It's awesome. So we're going to end a little bit differently.